Hello, Unfinished Mind listeners. We're glad you came back for part two of our conversation with Mark Pereira. Um, if you were not here for part two, because you're like, wait, part two, what are, you, what are you talking about? This is just a random podcast I clicked on. You should probably go back and give that episode a listen if you want to understand the full context of our disability rights and activism conversation. Uh, it's a really good, really good chat. And I would encourage you to listen to part one and come back here when you're done with that. And if you've already heard part one, Here's part two for you. Enjoy. topic let's let's go ahead and zoom out a bit and discuss sort of austin in general um we've talked about a lot of great policies the university can do and i guess that's easier in our like closed setting we've got you know a mini legislation at the university that can that can make things happen for us right but it's a little harder to do that in the city overall um and in most cities but i just was curious about what initiatives in austin you think are really good ideas for increasing accessibility and providing accommodations um and maybe some examples you have uh that of, of like ways that austin is getting it right so to speak um including like maybe accessible housing austin um if you wanted to talk about that a little bit uh i would love to hear about it um, accessible housing Austin, I'm not actually super familiar with. So if you have any information on that, I would love to hear about it because, um, a vast majority of what I do is focused on the realm of education, but that doesn't mean I'm not involved elsewhere. That doesn't mean I'm not trying to learn elsewhere. And this can be a moment where I can learn. Um, so is that something that you're familiar with that you might be able to share some knowledge with me? Uh, I actually believe that is something one of our script writers is familiar with. <laughs> our list of questions. It's a, I mean, I know of it. It's AHA. I'm not entirely familiar with the organization, um, but they have, you know, good volunteering opportunities to make housing more accessible. I think they do like construction work on people's existing houses, um, things like that. I'm not entirely clear, but it's a cool organization. I might look further into it and find out, but um, all right. All right. Um, this is what I like about conversations like these because it really illustrates how much more we all have to learn, especially myself. You know, this is something that I care deeply about, but it's important to know that I don't know everything and I will never know everything. But what I can do is I can take a step towards everything every opportunity that I get. Um, and I think that that's what's at the heart of um, diversity, equity, and inclusion work. Like we're never going to have a world that's perfectly inclusive or perfectly accessible for everyone. There's always going to be one person or multiple people that are left out, but how do we take a step towards them to bring them closer in, in the effort of getting them into the circle or into the room, whatever the case may be. Um, but yeah, this illustrates that I still have more to learn. And I really appreciate that. What is Austin doing right? Um, now, it's important to know Austin has a lot of work to do. A lot of this conversation has been framed around what UT Austin has to do. And UT Austin has work to do. Well, we've already talked about that, but it's important to know that UT Austin, the campus is doing better 
than the city of Austin. UT is doing some great work. It still has a lot more to do. Um, it still has a lot of pain points, but it's working on it. And I like that. Um, we just need to continue those conversations. But what is Austin doing? Now, one of the biggest things that I am a huge fan of, like a massive fan, are y'all familiar with um, Project Connect Austin through Cap Metro? I don't think so. Is it the one, Akshi, do you know? <laughs> Is it the one where they're trying to connect the space with a metro? Like, like with the, the train? The, the train? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and it is going to take like a decade to finish, but oh my God, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Um, I moved here from Portland, Oregon, which has a wonderful mass transit system. And that makes it so easy to move throughout the city. It still had its issues, of course, but that makes it so much easier. When I was living in Oregon, I didn't even own a car. Everything was done by mass transit for me or on my bicycle. Um, vast majority mass transit. Austin moving in that direction is such a ray of hope because that's going to do so much. So I'm going to ask both of you to go on like an imagination exercise with me. And we're going to kind of imagine like if this project connects Austin actually comes to fruition the way that it could perfectly, we're going to have every corner of Austin suddenly able to get into the central part of the city. Like, and several of those bus stations or several of those train stations, I should say for the light rail are slated to have direct stops in UT Austin, whether that is off of Wad, whether that is over on the east side of campus. I think they're looking at multiple access points by light rail, and that's going to do a lot. So one, people who don't use cars or don't have cars, whether that is by necessity or by choice, the whole city becomes the playground. You know, we can get from South Austin to North Austin in no time, and we can hang out in UT Austin in the middle of that. Love it. Um, the other thing is, is that they are um, looking to create more accessible like train stations and bus stops. So one thing that we know about Austin is we have a lot of bus stops. We should have more, but we have a lot. But a lot of those stops don't have shade. So if you are someone that's out there just waiting for your bus and the bus is 15 or 20 minutes late, which it often is, um, you're just out there cooking in the summer sun. Hard pass. Don't want to do that. I'll do it if I have to, but I don't want to. That makes it hard. That creates an accessibility barrier, especially for people who have limited reserves of energy. Um, that sun will just sap it. The cold in the winter will just sap it. So we need bus stops that have shelter from the elements. Uh, some of the other things about light rails is nowadays, many, many more of them have actual accessible seating, like spaces where you can put your motorized wheelchair and hang out rather than just like sitting in the middle of the train or in the middle of the um the cab, I think is what they're called. Um, like they have areas where you can like 
hang out and still be around the people who are traveling with you. They aren't as sequestered as they used to be. Um, or they, uh, some of them are moving towards having larger seats as well. So people who have larger bodies are able to use them, um, rather than trying to shimmy your way into a seat that's just not made for your body. Um, so this is all good. These are things that will allow more people to, access campus uh, to access the rest of the city. You know, we are talking about Austin as a whole, but this goes back to something else that I had mentioned earlier, because this project connect Austin is going to help Austin as a whole, but it's also going to help UT's community. Um, remember what I said, parking is an issue on campus. Imagine how much better it would be if I could commute to campus without needing to use my vehicle. That's something that I, as a person with a normative body, want to do. I First off, I hate driving. Can't stand it. Like if I could just sit in, in a train and read a book for a hot second, you bet I'm going to take that every single time. Or uh, I say read a book, but let's be real. I'm going to be playing my Nintendo Switch. <laughs> good. Yeah, good. Keep it real. <laughs> yeah, yeah let, let's get some Animal Crossing on there, you know? Um, actually, I feel like <laughs> the way you react means that resonates with you. So that's it great. It feels very personal here. <laughs> uh -huh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, that's what I'm going to be doing. I, I don't like driving. But also, if I am not driving to campus... That's a parking spot that's open for someone else. And even if it's only 10% of UT Austin's community that commutes in this way, that is 10% more parking spaces that we have on campus. That is 10% more spaces where the people who still don't have access to mass transit can use. The people who need accessible parking can use. Um, and also who knows, like, Let's let's do a real imagination exercise here. If there's less people commuting by car, there's less demand for that parking space. And if there's less demand for that parking space, does it need to be so expensive? I don't know. Um, like <laughs> affordable parking for everyone, please. Um, because it's a big investment and it's an investment that a lot of people have a hard time making you know like higher education is super expensive this is one thing that might be able to help but going back again sorry i go on tangents i'm sure you haven't noticed what else is austin doing um this is going to be a great opportunity to plug the program that i run the project advance austin i have a program where i get teams of students connected to local nonprofits, and I work really hard to make sure that the nonprofits that we are working with come from diverse backgrounds and serve diverse populations. Um, that's something that's very, very important to me because I want to make sure that everybody has the opportunity to get involved in this type of program. But also, I want everybody to feel that they are reflected in this type of program as well. So important to me. But what do our students do? Um, small teams of students, usually somewhere between four and six, depending. And they get connected with a nonprofit. And the nonprofit says, hey, student team, we have a long-term project and we would like your help with it. Um, we would like you to do some work on it um, to help us have a bigger impact in the Austin community, which then allows our student participants to have a bigger impact in the Austin community while they're learning project management skills 
love it. Um, there's a lot more that goes into it. Those are the cliff notes. But we're working with this really wonderful organization right now called Sage Studio. Um, they're located on the east side. And what I really, really love about them is they are an artist studio. And they work with artists who have disabilities, whether they are physical, cognitive, emotional, whatever the case is, they they work with these artists and they give them a space where they can create art that is reflective of their identity, that is reflective of their experience. And it doesn't just have it there of like, oh, look at this thing that someone made. It's fun. It elevates it in a way to where it becomes a true celebration of their community. Um, they get to find a space where they get to not only practice and refine their skills and their artistic visions, but they get to do it with their community, for their community, and in a way that creates a central hub of identity and that celebration, that creation, that generative action that is art and poetry and motion. That's what they do. And it's phenomenal. Uh, what our student team is helping them with right now is they're in the process of creating like artist spotlight videos and like an overall video that is likely going to tell the story of Sage Studio. Now, they're still in the middle of the project, so I don't know what this is going to look like at the end, but that's what they're working towards. And it's really exciting. One of my students over the summer was like, Hey, Mark, are you familiar with this artist studio? I think they could be a good community partner. And I was like, no, I'm not. But I got a hold of um, their founders over there. And I spoke to one of them, Lucy, and I was like, Hey, this is what our project does. And this is something that I want y'all to get involved with. And she was like, yo, sign us up. This is what we want to do. And it's really great. So finding areas like that, within the greater community of Austin is something that Austin is doing right. There are other artist studios that do similar things. Like I think there's another one up north called Arc Austin or the Arc of Austin. I'll have to Google that later, but I believe it's that. Um, and then we also need to keep in mind like the Texas State School for the Deaf is right here on South Congress. Austin has a huge deaf population. And my God, is that um, community bustling? You know, when I started learning sign language with my partner, that was a community that we started coming in more contact with. It was something that we sought out. And there's a lot of really great deaf-owned businesses out there as well. Um, are y'all familiar with like Crepe Crazy by chance? I love Crepe Crazy. Yes, I know the place. It's great. It's wonderful. Yeah. Akshi, have you ever been? Please enlighten me. I have no idea. I will take it personally. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Ren, do you want to tell Akshi about Crip Crazy? Yeah, I can. I definitely, I, I know, I don't know the full story. I went and it was like, oh, this is rad. I had no idea, but it's basically a deaf owned and operated business um, where they, uh, everyone who works there is non-hearing and it's 
honestly so delightful. The ambiance is phenomenal. Best crepes I have ever had in my life. And it's just a great space. Everyone who works there is so nice. I've had nothing but good interactions. It's it's phenomenal. It's a great business model. But <laughs> I, I love them. <laughs> It's really nice. And it's on South Lamar over by the Kirby Lane that's down there. Um, I actually just Googled the address here. So they're getting a free plug. Uh, 3103 South Lamar. Um, Really great place. And the fact that Austin has spaces where companies and organizations like this are able to thrive, not, not just be there, but thrive is great because it means that these organizations have a lot of support from the community, not only their community, but the greater Austin area as well. Like South Lamar is a hip and happening place of Austin. I know nobody actually says hip and happening, but we're doing it. It's fine, but it's a very busy place. And there's this business that's owned by the deaf community for the deaf community and they're absolutely killing it. So things like that are really, really great. And having these like central hubs where people can go and see their identity, see their experience, see themselves reflected in what that building is and who it's built for is really, really nice. It's very important. It creates a not not just a community meeting space, but it creates. I I don't like the word normalcy um, just because I feel that it's a loaded word, but it creates normalcy of experience, you know, like the experience of living with a disability is a very particular type of experience and it's different for everyone. So I don't think we could be like, oh, this is normal, you know, whatever, but it creates a space where you can go and just be yourself and be like, you know what? I can be authentic here. And that's nice. Um, So those are some of the things that Austin has going for it. Um, But the biggest one that I'm so excited for is that um, Cap Metro Connect Austin. Um, I think that that is going to have a huge impact across the city. And we all know that I-35 um, I, is is a mess. I, in fact, I think the clinical term is a dumpster fire. I, I'm pretty sure. But when we get to invest in mass transit, that's going to do more than just protect our streets. That's going to do more than just protect our environment. That's going to protect our people as well. And that is what I really want to see. Um, so yeah, if you can't tell mass transit is massively important for me. Um, and I just think it's very, very fascinating. Honestly, I am right, right there with you, Mark. I think, you know, even just having a place be accessible, like walkable or just being able to access by public transport is so important because so many, so many cities in the U.S. are just, you know, you need to have a car. And to have a car takes a lot more than just owning a car. You know, you need so many different things that come with that. So to make that just a little bit more easier on, the, on everybody is just, you know, I'm right there with you. And, you know, surrounding this discussion of this very, very informal discussion of, you know, different things that different people can do for, you know, making the spaces more accessible, more inclusive, the projects that you've been working on that you talked about. Um, I'm kind of wondering, you know, is there anything 
to kind of like wind on and come right to the like grassroots. What can we do to help improve, you know, accessibility and accommodation and inclusivity, you know, as students of UT Austin's or as you know, citizens of the city of Austin? What can we do? Are there any other projects that, you know, <laughs> you recommend we hop on to that you are starting or other people are starting? Yeah. So um, what can we do individually? Um, I'm, I'm actually going to back up a little bit before I engage with what I can do, what you can do, what uh, Ren can do, um, and what our listeners can do. And I'm going to talk about one more thing that UT Austin is doing right now. Um, and then I'm going to take it to the individual. So um, one phenomenal thing that UT Austin is doing right now is um, this is probably something that y'all wouldn't see because I don't imagine that y'all are scouring the job boards on UT Austin's job posting site. Um, Yep, I see some shaking heads and that's fine. But what I do want to mention is that there was a recent posting that went up a couple of months ago and UT Austin was hiring for a director of a disability cultural center. And this is really exciting to me. And I think that this is something that the greater UT Austin community will hopefully be really excited about as well. So the um, Disability and Accessibility Office, they are there to help make UT Austin's classes, the structures accessible. Do we get extended deadlines on our assignments? Do we get flexible um, attendance? Things like that. Um, so that's what they're for. Um, Disabil the Disability and Access Office is there for like ADA compliance, uh, the Americans for Disabilities Act. They're there to make sure that we are being compliant with that. They do a lot more than that, but that's like that. That's like their main responsibility. Now, the Disability Cultural Center on the other side is about culture. It is not about kind of making sure that we follow a specific law, which we should be following those laws. We absolutely should. But there is more that we need than that. We need a place where students with disabilities can come and recognize that like, yo, this is my space. This is where I belong. This is where my people are. This is where I can be seen. Um, and we have other centers like this on campus, like the Gender and Sexuality Center in the WCP on the second floor, one floor below where I am right now in the Texas lead office. But that is where queer um, trans students can go to the Gender and Sexuality Center and be seen for who they are and just be who they are. We also see this with other areas like the Multicultural Engagement Center, for example. This is really great. Um, it gives students the opportunity to just go and celebrate their own culture. And disability has a culture. It has a very diverse culture. Um, you know, people with different disabilities, have different cultures, and we should be able to celebrate that and experience those on with them, you know? And I don't mean that in like a cultural appropriation way, but what I mean that is where we can go and share in their celebrations and we can understand the art that they create. We can understand the stories that they tell. We can understand that 
the knowledge that they have, that they have to contribute, that will make all of our lives better and have that be the central part of the conversation. You know, um, that's what I want to see. And that's something that UT Austin is doing. And it's going to be a while before that office is built. But when I tell you that I am on the edge of my seat, just like rubbing my hands together like this, just being like, can't wait, I can't wait. I, I mean it. I can't wait. Um, it's. I really hope that's going to be phenomenal. And I'm really interested to see what that building or what that office is going to look like. And I can't wait to see the impact that they're going to have on campus and the voice that they are going to allow students to bring up. And the way I phrase that is very important because like, I don't want this office to be perceived in a way to where it's like, it is the voice of the students. I want it to be, it is the soapbox of the students where students with disabilities can go there, stand on that soapbox and have their voice heard. Students with disabilities have told me in the past that they are very, very tired of being spoken about and they wanna be spoken with. And that's what I want to see come out of the Disability Cultural Center. And I really think that it could be that, especially if um, the people who find themselves in that area just take advantage of it. So that's something that's coming up. And it just, I, mm, it's like Christmas morning. Um, now, what can we do as individuals? Um, this is oftentimes a sensitive subject because a lot of people, when they think about, oh, there's a community that I want to serve, they have a tendency to think of themselves as a hero. I want to go in and save these people. And that can be really problematic for a lot of reasons um, because these communities that we want to help oftentimes have the people that are already doing that work. So, for example, the, the uh, disability community has a lot of people that are doing the work that I am very interested in, um, and their voices should be elevated. They're doing it. I want to pay attention to them. I want to take that spotlight, get it off of me, like I said earlier, and shine it to where it really needs to go. The people who were here before me, I'm just following their footsteps and like shouting really loud. You know, um, just like, hey, pay attention over here. The, this is the thing. Um, and there are some really great scholars and some really great activists that are doing that work well before me. Um, and the attention needs to go there. I will be here to have the conversation all day, every day, but I am not the focus. And that is what we can all do. So what does that actually mean? What each of us can do is reject our own ego. And that is a very, very important thing to do. So what do I mean by that? Um, as someone with a normative body, with a normative mind, I'm doing a lot of work, of course, but I don't necessarily have the desire to like wave my hands and be like, it's me, it's me, I'm the one doing it. Because at the end of the day, the only thing that I really truly do is collect information and stories from the communities that I want to serve. And I put them in one place and I say, this is what I was told. Did I make those stories? Did I craft the narrative? No. But what I did is I created space where those narratives can be shared and 
collected. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not my work. You know, those aren't my stories. That's not my experience. I just put them in one place. So I don't necessarily feel the need to be like, yeah, I'm doing this really awesome thing. I'm so amazing. Um, it's just something that I feel passionate about and I'm working towards. So we need to look at our ego and actively reject it. And that's going to do multiple things. One, it elevates the voices of the communities that we aim to serve. Two, it allows us to be accepting of feedback and critique. And that's the number one thing that I think everybody needs to do is be accepting of critique because each of us individually is going to get it wrong at some point in time. Each of us, even with the best intentions, are going to be the villain in someone else's story. But what we need to do is we need to understand when we get that feedback. And I've gotten that feedback before. Mark, you said something that was really hurtful to me. And when we get that, it's very easy to put up that defensive barrier. Oh, you're just being sensitive. Oh, it was just a joke. I didn't mean it. You're overreacting. Like, have have we heard reactions like that before? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I know that when I voice that to someone, whether it's a family member, a friend, or someone who I don't know very well, hey, you said something that's hurtful, and their reaction is to be like, "Mm, no, like that doesn't feel great. That is very belittling. So when people tell me the same thing, I work really hard to make sure that I don't have that same reaction. And students with disabilities, back before I've like really started to do some of this work and before I really started to engage with it in a meaningful way, I was told that, Mark, you're you're being a little problematic right now. Um, And of course they phrased it in different ways. And my immediate, like in my gut, I wanted to be like, oh no, not me, not never me. Um, But I had to stop and think like, oh, did I actually mess up there? And lo and behold, I did. But that doesn't make me a bad person. But what that did is it made me an ignorant person in that moment. And we should not be afraid of being told that like, hey, Hey, Mark, you were being a little ignorant there. Oh, I was? Enlighten me or point me in the right direction so that I can enlighten myself. Because I think that we've all had those conversations before where it's like, I have to constantly correct this person and it is exhausting and it's wearing me out. And I can't have this conversation one more time. I don't want to put that extra work on someone. Just point me in the right direction. So Mark, go, go read this. Go look into that. This is why like that, that's all I need. Um, great. I'll, I'll go do the research. Like don't spend any more energy on doing that than you have to. I may have questions later just to make sure we're on the same page. Um, but being accepting of feedback, being accepting of critique and not being afraid of, of hearing that in a moment in time, you're probably being an ignorant person. And that doesn't make you a bad person. It just means you have something to learn. And then when you learn that, like, don't just talk the talk, but walk the walk as well. Like, take the knowledge that you have learned. Here are the experiences that you've been told and honor them. Uh, 
And I think we've all heard the, it's called the golden rule, um, like treat others the way that you want to be treated. It's a good rule, but there's one that's even better. I don't know where the saying comes from, but it's called the platinum rule. And it's treat others the way that they want to be treated. It is so much more important because it means that you are hearing what they need from you. You are hearing what they are telling you. You are hearing what what they want and you are providing it because what they want is not going to be the same thing as what you want. And this goes back to that analogy that I talked about like an hour ago. (laughs) Equality versus equity. We all want that box to stand on so that we can watch the baseball game, but I don't need it. The person next to me does. And we may both want that box, but I hear what they're saying. Have my box. You can have it. Let's watch this game together and let's have a great time. I'll go get the popcorn. You get the drinks. It'll be awesome. Um, But it's, treat others the way that they want to be treated is so much more important because the experience that I have in this world is not the experience that everybody wants. You know, the experience that I have in this world is not the crown gem of achievement. People should be allowed to pursue their own desires. They should be allowed to make their own choices and they should be allowed to feel good while they do that. And that is what we can all do in order to make sure that the world that we are living in, the world that we are moving through is more inclusive, is more diverse, is more authentic. Um, And that's just such a part of that conversation that is so often missed because people have the tendency to center their own experiences and say, this is what I've done. So clearly this is what you want. And that's just not true. And it doesn't mean that those people are bad. It just means that they need to have a conversation and they need to take a step back from their ego and listen to what other people are telling them. Yeah, I, that's such good wisdom to share with us and all of our listeners here. The platinum rule is a, is, is a really good one. Uh, I'm going to keep that near and dear. Um, since we do hear the golden rule spit at us so very often, um, So going forward, I hope our listeners have enjoyed this episode. We're going to have to go ahead and bring this to a close. But uh, thank you for sharing your thoughts and your experience with us uh, and giving us, you know, sort of the wisdom to put our own egos aside um, and hear the stories of others so that all of us can have the experience we want here on this great green earth of ours. So this has been a wonderful talk, wonderful conversation uh, to our listeners. If you're interested, again, this has been Mark Pereira. Um, Please investigate his work here at UT. This is leadership, education, and development. Yes. We have have a lot of programs. The tiniest plug at the very end here, we have summer internships. We have three-week programs. We have workshops. We have things for new and emerging leaders. So if you have any questions ever, feel free to come ask me a question, whether that's by email, by phone, even if you stop by in person. Um, We'll get you connected with the leadership opportunities that you're looking for. It's just a matter of what opportunity you want. Um, And if you don't even know what that is yet, we can custom match you to the experience.
experience that you're looking for. So don't be afraid of stopping by. Um, we are in the WCP building on the third floor. So stop by, say hi. Perfect. Well, thank you so much again. And thank you to all of the listeners for listening to The Unfinished Mind today. Uh, we hope you have a good one and we hope we hear from you next week. I've been Ren. And I've been Archie. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. The Unfinished Mind is brought to you by the Polymathic Scholars. Our scriptwriters this week were Aaron Austria and Neha Yawalker. Sound design by Jensen Richardson and Amaris Mendoza. Produced by Liz Kinnerk and Bill Tang. Our publicists are Claire Nevins and Audrey Holton. Hosted by Ren Smith and Akshi Pump. Thanks for listening and remember to follow your curiosity. Beautiful. Okay. <laughs>